Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 39, where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Emil Proyer of QJAC Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? I'm good, Greg. How are you? Pretty good. So we had Grain Week 39 report published uh, uh, in the past few days. Uh, good performance again. Seems to be on a, on a pretty positive trend here. What did you see in the reports for Week 39? Yeah, I think your characterization is right on the money. We've uh, we've kind of hit the mark uh, two weeks in a row, uh, again in week 39 with both CN and CP coming in over the 90% threshold for two weeks in a row. Um, and just for context for, for people, that's the first time or those are the only two times that both railways have hit 90% or better order fulfillment in the same week since week 45 of the last grain year. So that's June, 2020. So almost a year, which is kind of sad when you think about it, but that's what the numbers say. Um, A little deeper into the numbers, performance at the provincial level, as one might expect, given the overall performance at a system level was good, remained consistent pretty much across all three provinces. Yeah, so I think it's safe to say, Milt, uh, the trend we're seeing here as far as uh, shipper demand and, and performance, you expect that uh, to continue going forward? I think that's a reasonable uh, assumption. We do know now, we can see it uh, uh, pretty clearly in the numbers for ATC shippers that their uh, shipper demand is declining. We had seen some early signs of this a couple of weeks ago, but Uh, I think now with the week 41 orders uh, on the books, we have a pretty clear signal that volumes are going down, Um, mostly to the West Coast so far, uh, both Vancouver and Prince Rupert. Um, So I would think that, you know, with lower demand for grain, um, not necessarily accounting for what might be happening in other sectors right now, but Barring some external shocks to the system, like a derailment or something like that, which, you know, can always happen in this business, uh, we would expect performance to stay pretty good for both railways uh, going forward. Yeah, thanks, Mills. And, you know, it is a good sign. It it is a bit disappointing. It's taken this long to get back to this kind of performance, but uh, it is what it is. Um, You know, we have a bit of uh, opportunity here with with performance uh, improving so much to start to take some deep dives into some some issues that are impacting the grain sector when it comes to transportation. And one of the things we want to look at this week, uh, so I wanted to ask you about the Kansas City Southern merger and the proposals from CNCP. There's been a lot of talk about this within the grain sector um, and what it means for for Canadian agriculture. Uh, What's your view? What's some of the background on on this, on these, these, I guess, proposed mergers or proposed purchases? Um, between Kansas City Southern CNN and CP? Well, it's interesting. Uh, it's, it's very interesting to see both of Canada's uh, major railways go after the same acquisition target at the same time. Um, we'll circle back a little bit on that uh, later in the discussion. But just for some uh, context for listeners, uh, CP announced its merger agreement, is how they phrased it, on March the 21st. And they basically valued the transaction with KCS at roughly $29 billion. Um, CN followed suit uh, 
not that long afterwards uh, with their own offer, a uh, competing offer, if you will, and, and their offer kind of bumps the price north of 30 billion. From a technical standpoint, um, uh, won't go too far into these weeds, but both railways are basically taking the same approach, which basically involves having them create a trust, which needs to be approved by the STB. And the STB actually just gave approval to the proposed CP trust in the last couple of days. Um, and the way that this would work is the successful railway would acquire the uh, shares of KCS and would hold them in trust until the STB approved or did not approve the merger, which is likely going to take a year and take us right into the middle of 20. Um, and I would say, you know, for context, the, the probably the biggest difference between the two proposals at this stage is one that appears to be quote unquote friendly, uh, the CP proposal, and the other CN, you know, you might better describe as hostile or quote unquote unsolicited. And the reason I say that is in the CPKCS announcement that came out initially in March, they were very clear to indicate that, you know, the proposed merger had the unanimous support of both boards of directors for both CP and for KCS. So that kind of suggests that at least coming out of the gate that, uh, you know, CP may have a leg up. So they both seem to want KCS. Uh and are definitely going for it. What does KCS offer CNNCP? What's their what's their infrastructure like in the in the U.S.? Uh, a lot of Canadian listeners may not be fully familiar with with KCS. Well, KCS is the smallest of the Class One railways as measured by revenue, which is basically how that's determined in in the states. Um, but they play an interesting you know market niche. Uh, they have direct access into Mexico and they have very good access into Texas, um, which is appealing to uh, both CN and CP in, in part. Uh, at a really high level, I guess both CN and CP, the ultimate prize is to get direct rail access to Mexico, which neither of them have at this stage. The only way they can get there is through interchanging through a number of different partners, KCS being one of them. Um, for CP, there is the added benefit that it would give them direct access to the U.S. Gulf Coast markets, specifically Louisiana and Texas. Uh, CN already has a direct route to Louisiana. Uh, they go right into New Orleans in that area, but they would also benefit from access to Texas, which they don't have today other than through interchange. So, you know, Mexico is the big prize and there are some subsidiary prizes, if you will, for, for both CP and CN. Okay. So it, it seemed to make sense. CP seems to be the first one with discussions with KCSs seems to complement their network a bit better, at least in for CN and maybe a bit, bit, bit additive. Is that, is that the case or sorry, well, think, uh, like duplicative? Yeah. I, I think from the, you know, if you think about how the STB is going to look at this potential merger and one of the big issues is always in their evaluation, the uh, impact on the competitive marketplace for rail services. So they will look at, you know, CN's proposal and CP's proposal, and they will basically say, if we allow this to happen, this is, you know, what the resulting networks look like. And then what does that do to competition, you know, to the extent that shippers might be harmed or helped by virtue of one of these two mergers. So if you look at it, you know, at a very high level, just looking at the rail networks of CN and CP and, uh, putting KCS together with them, 
CP's proposal is more what we would term a, a direct end-to-end -end connection. There is really no duplication in their networks because CP does not go south of Kansas City, which is where they interchange with the KCS. CN, however, you know, arguably there is some uh, duplication uh, because CN does run all the way down into New Orleans now, and and their rail line, you know, once you get south and headed into those markets, kind of runs parallel. Um, if you will, to the KCS line. So there may be concerns uh, from a regulator's perspective with respect to you know, uh, competitive issues with CN's merger. And I think to the extent that they, there are, uh, they will be more significant than CP, which, which right now there is no duplication in those networks. So what would this mean for agriculture? Obviously, we do send product down to the U.S. It's a, it is a major market. Um, is this something that, that we can expect to be a positive, de depending on, uh, I guess, depending on which bid is, is, um, is successful? Well, I think whichever bid is successful will have or, uh, you know, opens the possibility for benefits to Canadian shippers broadly and, and even Canadian agricultural shippers. You know, we do move product into the U.S. and into Mexico today. Um, arguably, those markets are obviously significantly smaller than the domestic markets and even markets, you know, into some specific parts of the U.S. like the West Coast. So if we look at what goes into the U.S. right now, um, it's about five and a half million tons of grain and grain products a year. Um, about 60% of that almost is canola oil and about, uh, you know, another million tons. So four of the five in total between canola oil and oats. Um, however, neither of these commodities are, are big players in the U.S. Southeast, which is, you know, the market that would benefit the most from this merger, in addition to Mexico, which I don't have any data handy uh, to speak to right now. So yeah, there, there's, there's potential benefits. Whenever you can move product from A to B, however far A to B is, and you don't need to connect across more than one railway, there's going to be generally an operational benefit, um, which will come in the forms of you know, consistency of service, improved transit times, um, more seamless movement because you don't have those interchange processes in large yards. So they have the opportunity to bypass yards and probably, you know, potentially there's, there could be a benefit to Canadian shippers uh, from a price perspective. Whenever you put rates together to go from Canada to Mexico, you're going to involve two at a minimum, sometimes three or four railroads to get there. Um, and the way the railway pricing works is, you know, generally speaking, each railway wants what they want. So that tends to inflate the overall price to the shipper. So if you have um, a single railway that can get you from A to B, uh, there is the opportunity, you know, for more streamlined pricing and, and uh, better deals uh, for shippers. Yeah, so potentially opening up, I mean, if you're able to price competitively, potentially through through a lower cost transport, you may be opening up some opportunities in those markets. Otherwise, it's it, it just logistically, it sounds like it could just be um, easier, ultimately, if, if a merger like this takes, takes place. Um, 
So what do you think? If you had a crystal ball, uh, who do you think will come out on top in this, uh, this purchase war that we're seeing between CN and CP? <laughs> well, my crystal ball has been foggy lately, but anyway, um, it, it's tough to say, you know, it's a very complicated process. It's going to go for a long time. Um, you know, even CP and CN are, are very uh, upfront in their public communications about the fact that they don't expect a decision from the STB on the actual merger applications until at least the middle of 2022. So we're a good 12 to 15 months away, probably from knowing um, the outcome. Uh, in the interim, I don't think that you know shippers should expect any change because the, neither railway has the right to start implementing any kind of quote unquote integration or operational changes because they will remain two separate railways. They will remain independently managed. Um, personally, I think that if you look at you know, uh, uh, the facts at a high level, as we just discussed, I think CP's offer is easier from the regulator's perspective because of the competition issue. Um, but you never know. I mean, uh, people have been surprised by the STB before and, and we shouldn't dismiss that. On another front, I think that while this will all be interesting and there will be lots of activity going on over the next 12 to 15 months as this thing works itself out, um, shippers for CN and CP, including grain shippers, are obviously not focused on whether or not that merger comes to pass. Uh, they're more focused on the railway continuing to move their business um, in Canada and to the markets that those railways already serve. So, you know, a caution to shippers, um, CN and CP are going to be dedicating a lot of resources to this because they both think they're going to win. So if they both think they're going to win, they both think they need to be ready day one which is a lot of planning when you're talking about integrating railways. Um, so hopefully they won't get distracted um, and they will continue to uh, offer good service in Canada. Yeah, agreed. It would be unfortunate if they were distracted and, and, you know, they've, they've been made purchases before or gone through major, um, you know, potentially upheavals. Is it, is this a type of thing that, that would distract them that, that does take away such, you know, significant resources from their operations? Um, it, it can. Um, and the reason is that um, there's a lot of, particularly on the operation side, I mean, marketing people are going to do what marketing people do. Uh, but from an operational perspective, when you start to look at trying to get your head around um, integrating two railways, you know, CPKCS or CNKCS, and in addition to that, uh, particularly if you're CN, I think trying to come up with a plan uh, that might respond to concerns that might come out of the STB with respect to competition. So yes, you can merge with the KCS, but you need to sell off this and you need to sell off this and you need to sell off that in order to maintain competitive alternatives for shippers. It gets very complex and the railway only has, you know, a fixed pool of railway operating experts and service design experts. And those are the same people that, you know, design the operating plans and ensure the execution of the operating plans for the railways in their existing business. So if all of a sudden now they've, you know, got this huge burden of trying to plan a potential merger 12 months out, there is the possibility that, you know, resources are going to get pulled away and, and some things may fall through the crack. I mean, we'll see it when we see it, but uh, it's definitely a risk. 
yeah, something we'll be keeping our eye on. It's an interesting development uh, for sure with these uh, this potential opportunities going forward. Well, thanks a lot, Mill. Appreciate uh, your thoughts on this. I think we'll be do do a bit more of this. We, we take some deep dives on on some certain issues. So certainly, if there's anybody out there listening who would who would like us to discuss a specific topic, uh, feel free to reach out and let us know. Those of you who would like to see the reports, agtransportcoalition.com as always. And Milt, appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next week.